welcome back to another episode of Black Girlish. This is your host Tegan and before we begin today, I would like to acknowledge that we are meeting on Gadigal Country in Sydney. And today I have with me our guest, Abby. Hi everybody. Oh my god. Girl, welcome. Someone's excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. So, Abby, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, so my name is Abigail David. So I'm a original <laughs> Torres Strait Islander woman. So I'm from Inverell in Yamalan, which is a very remote community up in the Torres Strait Islands. But I was born and raised on Gadakook country here in the inner city. All right, deadly. Cool. So in like, whereabouts, what suburbs? So I grew up in Annandale, which is near Glebe. Fancy. Yeah. No, well, it never used to be, um, but now it's really uptown. Um, I still spin out now, but it's a little bit more multicultural now. Um, <laughs> I went to school. I, you know, did the whole private school thing. Didn't like it. We might get more into it later on, but begged my mum to go to public school mm. and uh, then... I end up going to um, Lycar and Blackwater just down the road. No, you didn't. I went to Lycar. Yeah? Yeah. Did you? For one year in 2010. I was in year 10. It was my first ever year out of co-ed school. It was weird. I loved it at Lycar. Like, I just felt like I fit in so well. Um, And Blackwater was just a dream. Oh, damn. Yes. Yes, deadly. So um, what are you doing for work currently? So at the moment, I am in Redfern. I work at the National Centre of Indigenous Excellence. Yep. Um, so there I work for a health program. So we don't do one-on-one. We're more population. So mm. when we say that, we mean we'll be at events trying to get heaps of people to our store, whether that's giving them merchandise or information, um, mm. flyers if they're wanting to quit smoking, and then we refer them on to a counsellor. Um, we put a lot of, not my money, the, the program's <laughs> money. You know, we get we yeah. sponsor a lot of um, sporting local sporting teams like Redfin All Blacks, yes, Waterloo deadly. Waratahs. Yeah. Um, even they have an all blacks basketball team. So oh, yes, down in Alexandria. Yeah, yeah. So we give, um, grants out, but they just have to meet certain criteria and are able to get those grants. Yes. But it's a local Sydney thing. So if you guys, yes, definitely message me if you're looking for more information. Yes. Hit her up, hit her up. Um, so what else? Um, so who'd you say your mob was again, sorry? So we, my father is Camilla Roy. So we got mob from Tamworth and Inverell. But we Inverell, originally, yeah. yeah. Where's that again? That's near... Inverell is the, I would explain it the best. It's three hours inland from Grafton. Okay, yeah. I think I know very, what you're talking it's about. It's very cold there. My cousins up in Queensland spin out because I tell them how cold it gets there and they're like, is this in Australia? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's so different worlds. It's yeah. so where my mum and my dad's family are from because it's so boiling hot up where mum is from. So I go and visit in Cairns a lot. We've got a yeah, lot of mob lovely. there, but mm-hmm. that's like the main town yeah. in the um, when you leave the islands because it's so expensive to get up there. It's like... To the islands or... Yeah. yeah. So just to Thursday Island, which is the yeah. main island, that's a grand plus just for what? flights. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. So that's the thing with remote communities. It's just... It's hard to get back up there. Mm. Wow. So one thing I want to know, can you speak 
your language? So I grew up, well, my mum, I grew up with my my mum, um, and she's Torres Strait. So we've got a few family members down here. I understand broken English. I don't really speak it back. Only to my mum I will. Yeah. Um, so I've been lucky in that sense, yeah. like that we've had um, some family members that have moved down here. So I, when it comes to that, it's only when we do like the family gatherings yeah. or if we do um, catch-ups or Christmases, there's always, you know, some island foods on the table mm. um now that i'm getting older you know people are starting to you know life happens people are separating yeah. but i still have those um memories of going to one of mayaka which means grandmother's house and on christmas she would have them island dishes mm. but she would also have you know that potato salad and that <laughs> you know all them westernized ones yeah, too with a little that. bit of island yeah. side yeah <laughs> No, that's deadly. Um, so you said that you dance, you do contemporary uh, Aboriginal dancing. Yes. Yeah, so the thing is with that is I got into dancing because I found it very healing and it was just a hobby. I just loved mm. dancing, but I was never trained in it. Um, I danced for Janui Dance Clan and, you know, I was on and off dancing with them in, I guess you could say from high school. Mm. And then later on in life, I just started dancing with them all the time. Um, yeah. They taught me my like training, my technique. Um, and that kind of just really took off for us. I mm. would say last year when we did that um, opera house shoot. What one? I don't think I've seen that. Um, I'll show you the photo while we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> so this happened and I remember... We, they needed oh, girls yes, to be up yes. on the opera house and we me and everyone else was either scared of heights, didn't really want to do it, it was too windy, you know, so me and Dubs were like, yeah, I'll get up there, I'll do yes, it. that's deadly. I love that photo. I think that's easily one of my favourite photos of you and Dubs. It's oh, so thank beautiful you. and it's, you know, it's just, you're so striking on top of it with the Harbour Bridge in the back, it's deadly. Um, so who are you dancing for now? Yeah, so I dance for Janui. Um, I've been doing a bit of um, dancing with Braga Dance Academy. Um, they are a new company up in Redfern. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah, they're a new company in um, Redfern and they've just started up. They're more catered to, I think it's it's definitely for primary high school kids, but then they also had an elite program. I know. So I... we entered that um, for dance rights. So I was dancing for two teams this year. Oh. Yeah, it was very, it was physically exhausting, but it was very rewarding. i got to say, like, because I got to watch Abby and the elite um, dance group practice one time. Remember? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And I was amazed. Like, you guys got that one whole dance, like, you did it in one go. And I was just like, damn, that was, like, flawless. It was, you were all in sync, moving together. Yeah, and, and it was crazy. You see the different styles and techniques when you have a different um, choreographer. Mm. So it was really nice to see that. And also, you know, we're um, with Janawi, we're more of a sisterhood because we're um, all older women. But it was really different and a great experience working with um, younger kids because you could see mm. that they look up to you um, yeah. a lot. 
Yeah. Was um, John Away, was that a contemporary as well? So or? it was traditional and contemporary, Aboriginal contemporary. All right, got you. All right, deadly. Yeah. Oh, I used to dance. It's been ages since I used to dance, though. Oh, you got to get back to it. You I can, know. It really lifts the. It really lifts up your spirit. And I used to, you know, if I was having a bad week um, or something like that, I would go to these uh, dance rehearsals mm. and it was just... The sisterhood, the bonding, and the dancing. Yeah. You know, I think it's also one of those things, like, especially growing up in, like, an urban environment like Sydney, in the city, you get a lot of mob who were disconnected from that. But it's really, like, growing up in Redfern, as you know, in Waterloo and in Dale in the West, not a lot of people are actually dancing, myself being one of them. Yeah. But, like, I I know the feelings, because I used to do it in high school, a long eight years ago um <laughs> and it felt so deadly and i f- it like i get what you mean about the lift in your spirits and it's like at yarbin yeah yeah and they have the um like this the dance circle and stuff it's so deadly watching mob dance but yeah definitely going to come down and give it a go renee's been pushing me to do it as well so yes it, it is it is a lot of fun and it's just like all laughs giggles and you feel like such a sense of pride you know it's like when you a final project when you when we went and performed um this dance that we had been working on um mm-hmm. for a while it was really it was really nice yeah and so you mentioned dance rights Yes. I don't think, maybe, I don't think some of our listeners know oh. what dance rights is. I've seen it. I mean, I watched it in Norway a couple, oh, really? of, a couple of years ago on, on YouTube. Me and Aura, my baby, we were sitting there watching it and I was like, oh my God. And I was seeing everybody that I knew in the crowd and it was beautiful because they also had, um, sorry, I'll let you explain what dance rights no you're right so originally it was called home ground and it's at the opera house every year usually in november so about five six years ago they had started up and it was a first nations cultural event um Mm. so it's predominantly aboriginal torres strait islander um performance uh performances as in dancing and um singing Mm -hmm. but they also have people you know from pacific islands um, I think there was someone from Tibet, Native Americans. Yes, I saw the Native American mob. Yeah, and well. Dance Rights was just, um, it was a little competition that they had on Sunday because when it was starting out, it was quite small. There was, I remember the first time there was five teams that entered. Oh. So this was about 2014-15 and to this current date, 2020, um, 2020 it's become so popular that they have made it a Saturday and Sunday event and now there's 20 teams all over the country that perform, um, have to be Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Mm. teams that perform and it's so beautiful and it's just this sense of so much pride and joy and it's the, when you come to watch it, the atmosphere is so amazing and uplifting. There's, you see everybody's different, um, markings and ochre and um everyone's just there for the same reason and Mm. it's you you honestly you forget that it is a competition because it's not about the competition it's about the sharing the The culture and and stories yeah Yeah. that's so deadly but not only that isn't don't they also have like um art stalls and stuff so where you can walk around is there um, also that too? Or is that a whole other thing I'm thinking? No, this. Um, I think that you're talking about the convention centre because they do have um, an arts 
store from um, all around the country. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, cool. And this year, you guys, well, unfortunately, due to COVID, you guys obviously weren't able to do dance rights properly. Yes. (laughs) My favorite part is I just love mixing with all their mob from all around and just getting to know them and their community and asking them all these stories because I'm nosy, honey. <laughs> and But the thing is with this, so this year it's going to be online. So everybody had performed in um, September mm-hmm. and it's going to be streamed in November. So it's still, you know, it's still happening. And because of that, um, we have, I think there was 20 plus teams. Kimberley's, NT, Queensland, New South, Victoria. Yeah. South Australia, there's such a variety now because people didn't have to leave their communities because yeah. some people can't, you know, afford to or their That's circumstances. Because they hold it at the Sydney Opera House, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a long way to travel for a lot of mob. Well, that's deadly. Yeah, so oh. make sure you guys check it out if you um in November. Yeah. Um, share the details with me and I'll share it on the page yes. as well. Um. And also, you did mention that you are an aspiring model. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is a whole yarn, right? All right, we're ready. So because of that opera house shoot, so we did it on the opera house, and I didn't think much of it because we've done heaps of photos before, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, as as um, Janaway, just as cultural um, dancers or, or just black women. Um, so when we got asked to get up there, I had no idea... Um, the scale that it was going to be on so it was one of those things me and dubsy did it the call time was three in the morning so we were eyes were burning and everything and then i went to my (laughs) full-time job afterwards real slack one so a week later um it happened to be on facebook and i you know there was 13 notifications 20 40 it was just Mm. going up and up and up Mm. and um we had such an amazing response from it um, it was actually quite life-changing, to be honest. And because of that, we did another shoot for Rush Magazine. Okay. Now, I I didn't know... I don't know fashion magazines. I don't know modelling. I just... I'm just real, like, typical black gin. And so <laughs> I rocked up in my work clothes and all yeah. these beautiful, glamorous other models were on the set and I just thought, what am I doing here? There was a girl, she was absolutely stunning. Mm. Like, you could see her on the street and you could tell she was a model. And she was like, yeah, um, I'm just going to duck out because I have a Vogue shoot, but I'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Way to sort of, like, rub it in. Like, yeah, okay, sis, we get it. Well, I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, I literally just came from my nine to five, you know, (laughs) local health job. Yes, this is, what am I doing here? But because of that. Yeah, go on. But because of that, yeah, I um, happened to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> had have an agency reach out to me yeah. and they asked me to come in mm. and so my mum's always like yo she always tells me that i got really good luck i th- i think so in a sense too mm. went to the agency didn't really know what i was going for and then they happened to meet me and the woman was like we really loved you we'll keep in contact with you and they sent me a contract two days later that's deadly for cult oh models my God. yeah that's so cool so I was, I've been really lucky in that sense. Mm. Um, and I got another shoot. They're called Poppy Lisman. 
So is they, that like a small designer brand or yeah, yeah. and they're like um, accessories like sunglasses, bags. They've quite got quite a um like quirky Oh that's cool. Quirky yeah, type of touch um yeah. to it. And I looked them up and they was they were quite um known mm. which I didn't know because once again I don't know fashion. And they were like, Well, you're very lucky that you got that, you know, especially considering you don't have a portfolio. Oh. And I'm like, I just, I just stumble, happen to stumble across these things all the time. But this is so deadly. Like, I mean, you know, you get, we got, what's her name? Sister girl, Sam Harris. Yeah. Like, we, I think, what is she? No, we've got quite a few deadly um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander models, but it's, there's not enough of us. So of course they're looking for you. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Well, I the and the thing is too when I first signed up to it, I was like, no, no ways. I'm not a model. <laughs> I don't do modelling, yeah. especially the way that I talk, that I act, like how I grew up. I no, was like, I am not a model. Yeah, but you can't let that, you know, stop you. Yeah. That's well, who that you was are. My, that's you. I was like, I, I, this is a, my 2020 like growing journey. I was like, I'm just gonna take. It literally fell into my lap Mm. and other girls would have killed for this position. And I was thinking I would be stupid not to take this opportunity. Yeah. But I promised myself when I signed that contract that I was not um, going to change myself. And when I say that, I mean in the sense that, you know, I I am who I am. I talk the way I talk. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I would definitely have like bunged it on a little bit more. You know, that customer service voice. Oh, the code switching. The code switching, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I've I've been doing that. I have been doing that. And I just decided to myself that I'm sick of doing that. Yeah. I'm not going to do it anymore. And, um... They, whether they like it or not, you know, that's up to them. Yeah. And, but I've actually been finding it's worked in my favour a lot. Yeah. Uh, the way I talk to you is literally what I would I would go to the agency and talk to um, the office workers. The but exact that's same. it. That's deadly. You're owning it. Like, yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely a journey that all of us are on as young uh, women of colour. Is that, you know, the entire world in a way is pressed upon us to be a certain way how our curly hair isn't um you know acceptable it has to be straight and you know our skin it's you know you're not beautiful like the beauty standards of like the modeling industry yeah ridiculous yeah you know and i think of girls that look like me that talk like me that grew up like me when i had signed that contract as well and I just think I wouldn't be doing them justice or I wouldn't feel like an authentic role model mm. had I get up in the spotlight and change my voice mm. and, and you know, act a certain way. Like, it's just, I've been doing it for so long and I've been on this really big um, growth journey. I've, I think up until 19 when I cut all my hair off. Did for you? that reason, yeah. Really? Because I was the girl that straightened my hair every day religiously yeah. um you know i would panic when it would start raining i didn't even like going to the beach yeah and that night and up until 19 that's a very long time that's most of my life i'm 22 yeah and i just um it was i cut all my hair off but it was so much more than that i was cutting off this really big insecurity i didn't know that it was an insecurity i didn't yeah. see it as that when i was growing up um 
Well, I just thought, you know, oh, I have to, like, and it kills me to say it, but I thought I had to straighten my hair to be pretty and to fit in and and do all this and that. And then when I cut that hair off, I feel like I cut that mentality off as well. I love that. That's deadly. Yeah, and it took a long time and I still was getting insecurities from it. But I've just been training and shaping myself because if I have a daughter, I would want her to be nothing of yeah. that type of um, thought. Mm. But my mum always told me my hair was beautiful. You do have s- beautiful hair. Oh, like, thank you, Sadie. So I'm serious, though, sis. So many people the, people these days would kill to have your type of hair. Well, I like forgot the big, my, curly... what my hair looked like. Yeah. It yeah, was that bad. It's a bit weird. It becomes sort of like a... Um, like uh you're just sort of like hair dysmorphia in a way you know like you kind of like you can't stand there's always something to pick at it do you, sort of, do you get what i mean what absolutely like you i mean i've stopped straightening my hair four years ago yeah yeah because i was like nah i don't want to straighten it anymore like i just brush it with a brush I don't know. My hair's not as curly as yours, though. But I brush it with a brush and it will go a bit flat on top, but then curly down the bottom. Yes, she's but... got really beautiful <laughs> thick hair. <laughs> Thanks, my sister. But it's um, that's so deadly to hear that you're embracing your authentic self, especially taking that mentality into your modelling. It was really because, hard you know... to do, and that's that's just from um life lessons and you know really working on myself um. Mm. It changed environment, circle, people, being around other women. I actually feel like I started that journey because I would see other women and I'd be like, oh my God, that sister has such beautiful hair. She just rocks it. I want to be yes. like that. But I don't want to, you know, and, and it was such a... I actually um, remember looking at my hair and it was, you know, I was straightening for probably the fourth time that day because mm. it was going a bit, you know, yeah, frizzy. frizzy. Yeah. And I... It, it actually hit me because I was thinking about it and this was after years of straightening it and I didn't realise it was an insecurity. So I mm. definitely, um, I don't know how you would go about that if you are in, in that process and it does take a long time but, you know, mm. you'll get there and I just didn't want to live like that anymore, you know, after I cut my hair off, I actually enjoyed going to the beach. When it rains, I don't yes. run under the covers. It's just yes. those little things, but yeah. I feel like I can breathe now. Yes. It's, in a way, it's sort of, yeah, it's the re- reclaiming of your, um, in, in a way, like, you know, it's um, pushing, it's like decolonizing in a way. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> but it is, you know, because like, you know. A lot of black fellas, like naturally, we do have curly hair, and then some of us do have, you know, straight, straight. hair. No, that's but my yeah. mum has my mum has afro hair. My dad's side of the family, all the women have dead straight thin hair. Right. So yeah. I got this like mix of really big curly hair. Yeah. And you know, it was, and it's so crazy to me because my family on my mother's side will be like, Yeah, Abigail, you got collar hair, which means like you got white girl hair, but you can see, Never mind. yeah, but it's so different on my dad's side because I've got you know, yeah. really textured hair, and the rest of them don't, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, so like, I wanted to ask, like, what are you using for your oh, hair? Like, because so, it takes a lot of like experience, like, I know from experience as well. 
it's a lot of um, experimenting. Yeah, my yeah. hair is not like my, honestly, my hair is a different person. Like we come in too, <laughs> and I was watching, so I cut it all off. I was watching YouTube videos before that though, um, and I, but I just. I actually told my hairdresser one day that I was going to cut all my hair off one day. Yeah. And she was like, oh, don't be silly. And I was like, no, I'm being serious. And yeah. I ended up doing it. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of products, but they would only sell them in America. Yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I would, um, I use this brand called Shea Moisture. I actually screamed <gasps> when I this saw it in Priceline. Same. I cried a little bit when it came out in Priceline. I was like, yes. Could not believe but, it. Because it's easily like... Like when you the online stores getting it from America, it's forty bucks. a bomb for for yeah. a shampoo that is uh, tiny. They're little. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't afford that at the time. You know, too. I was like, ah, no, no, thank you. Um, they also <laughs> put a lot of olive oil in my hair as well. Yes, so that's a sealer. Yeah. So you put in, um, you know, your mask or your hair milks because that mm. moisturizes it, and then yeah. you seal it with oil. To keep uh, it's the... like the lock method. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of that. I still actually chuck it up a lot, which is terrible. But I, I get so busy. But it's like that though with curly hair. Like, it's like the the first day that you wash it you're like yep and it dries and it looks beautiful your curls are banging and then the next five days it's just up in a bun yes it really is that's like curly i think every curly girl can uh I, definitely relate to that currently still figuring out my hair as well mm. um so so far she moisture please do yourself a favor and get it or even if it's just the hair mask yes oh the uh, jamaican black, black castor, castor oil, oil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I use the exact same thing. I use the yeah the hair mask. I use it as a conditioner. So I wash my only wash my hair once a week. Do you do that as well? I barely shampoo my hair, but I've also heard that it's really good. You need to, but I use a cleanser, not a shampoo. What's the difference? The so from the American African American bloggers that I've been watching is the shampoo strips. The oil that well, curly hair doesn't uh, really yes. have, yeah. but a cleanser is just to um, cleanse the, the scalp. Yeah, so it's like the sulfate-free. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I use those too. I just didn't know it was called a cleanser. <laughs> oh, no, that's deadly. I love that. It's um, I love seeing sister girls rocking their natural hair. Well, if I didn't it's see other sister girls doing it, I would not have done it. So now I need to be part of this movement. I need That's to tell it. other girls that you should embrace yourself. Yeah. And I, it's like, uh, I would say it's like a crown for me now. You know, when I was growing up in, in high school, we were very multicultural. But it was also, you know, you always feel that need um, to fit in. And of course, you're a teenager. Yeah, mm. and you, and it's this psychological thing. You always get these little, these little minor comments, but they start building from a young age, and it just builds up, and mm-hmm. you make these brick walls for yourself, whether people are, you know, having jabs at your skin and your hair and 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 whatnot. It's those obstacles that now I realise how much of a crown it is and how much how much pride i have in my skin and my hair oh yeah well i've always you know i've always
been a proud black fella, mm. but not in the same strength that I have now. Yeah, and I guess it comes with age as well and time yeah. and obviously experiencing all the all of these things. You know. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I it, it was plenty of non-Indigenous people, but the most hurtful comments that yeah, I would I was, take in consideration mm, was from other black folks. Yeah, I was just Couldn't about to understand ask you it. if you experienced a lot of, um, I guess, yeah, if a lot of mob, I guess, you know, made you feel bad about your curly hair. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, you get it growing up and it kind of sticks with you and then you feel that constant need to panic when it rains and <laughs> it's just like all these stupid things that you didn't realize i remember or even um i have this really i've had heaps of it but I re- one of my really distinctive moments of racism from another black fella yeah. is i was walking and there was this boy at school and not that it matters but he was like a light-skinned black fella yeah. and he called me a black c <gasps> yeah so you know what I did? Oh my god. I happened for some for some reason at that very moment on that very day, Mm-mm. I happened to have a stick in my hand and no, I beat the didn't. shit out of him. <gasps> and Abby? he went and said Yeah, he went and said to his um he goes, I'm telling your mother on you and I got so scared I did. Yeah, black mothers, you don't want to muck around with them. Yeah, yeah, as soon as he said that, I put that <laughs> stick down. But I, but I, and, and it was, um, you know, I had a lot of frustration and mm. anger, you know, and, you know, went on this whole um, self-love journey to really um, dissect why. But because I had so much anger and, and I wasn't, I was going through whatever at, at the time, I couldn't understand why he would say that to me because yeah. I was like, "But you're a black fellow yourself. It's you're, a weird. You're saying it like yeah. it's a bad thing. It's a weird to be, thing. Like, yeah, it's a weird, bizarre thing to experience. Um, you know, I think it comes to this thing. I, I swear, it's actually called like tall poppy syndrome, where if they see another black fella like feeling themselves, they're totally owning it. They're doing well. That they try to bring them down. Like, it's a real problem in our community. Do you get what I mean? Like, they don't yeah. want anybody rising above. They're not going with that mentality that, you know, no, I'm actually, no. Like, yes, I'm, you know, so proud of Sister Girl or Bala Boy. Uh, they're doing really well. Like, that makes me want to do well. Do you yes. get what I mean? But it's, yeah, I don't know. But then there's also that whole conversation about colorism. Yeah, community. well, I, now that yeah. I'm older, I feel like he... And this is only because I'm older. I feel like there was um, some type of insecurity, or mm. there's maybe it was his environment where it was for it was okay for him to say it, or someone had said that to him yeah. to make him yeah. um, believe that that's all right. See, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I we would you know get in a lot of trouble for if we made a slightest thing about colorism or if i was it would be over red rave if i had said that to someone else like we just knew that wasn't okay and you don't talk to people like that so hopefully he's went on his little journey um yep self self growth yes what we want the whole colorism thing it's 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 rough man especially when you grow up in community it's crazy and and it's such a crazy concept it is, but it all comes back to that whole, you know, it's the colonizer. They wanna, they're wanna, they pitting us against each other. And, you know, it's... So that way we don't... Uh, how do you say? 
rise above, transcend. Well, you know? if you guys are facing these type of things, I have recently started watching um, Malcolm X teachings. And what he says, even though he's talking about African-American culture, really resonates with me. Not so much, of course, the religion mm-hmm. part, but he's in his teachings, he talks so much about slavery. He talks yeah. about you were told by the white man to hate your lips, your skin, your, your hair, your this, yeah, your that. Yeah, self-hate. Yeah, yeah. It stems from that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he, everything that he says, it's such an eye-opener. I wish I had actually found these teachings years ago. It's interesting as well, like, you know, because, you know, we, we are black people, B-L-A-K, here in Australia. And, you know, we, like, sure, we have our Charles Perkins and, you know, all of the Chicka Dixon, all these deadly political um, black fellas that come before us. But it's, you know, it's sort of a shame in a way that we rely so heavily on black American culture. For example, like you just said, for your hair. Yes. But that's because there hadn't yet um, been a market for curly hair here in Australia. There has now. There is now. There is a huge you, one. So if you guys are thinking of transitioning or doing a big job, yeah. now is a perfect time because it. it's really opened up the industry and there's so many people talking about their hair and mm. their journeys as well. Yeah, a really cool... Um, a really, really deadly, actually, this chick I went to high school with her, she created Saint Curl. Have you heard of them? No. It's the only online, um, like, Australian curly website for curly, kinky hair. <gasps> and she created it. She, I think she's Lebanese. We went to high school together. Um, and she's had beautiful, luscious, thick, curly hair. And so she's finally brought that whole market to here so it's much more affordable for all of us yeah, curly women to access ridiculous and curly men if there's some guys listening right now yes yes, yes. but it's um saint curl check him out on instagram and google i'm going to have to because i need to i go through a lot of products so I'm, I'm actually looking to go and get some more yeah and they do like a whole little um what is it like curly quiz like a hair quiz to figure out what type of curl you are because it's like I don't know why, but it's so complicated. Like, we've got all these different, you know, 3A, 3C, 3B. I had no idea. Yeah. When I was growing up, um, and I'm watching these, like, How to Take Care of Curly Hair 101. And the way that I brushed it was wrong. I know. You're um, going to, like, brush. These it's hair like, masks. I was like, what the hell is a hair mask? Mm-hmm. All of these Oil simple, treatments. Yeah. Had no idea yeah. what they were. Protective styles. It's like a whole thing. Sleeping with a like a bonnet. It's a whole process. That's a hobby. It is. (laughs) You don't want to see me at night. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, that's it's just something to be mindful us as you know black people and you know other like women of color, people of color here in Australia. We have to celebrate our differences to that of Black America. I'm not saying that you know it's it's not putting a divide between us all, but it's it's celebrating the differences because we are different yeah it's a similar history but it's different especially for us indigenous peoples um because you know hollywood black you know american culture it's so enough michael jordan for crying out loud like you know all of the big sports stars they've become these massive cultural icons as well you know what i mean like beyonce like solange like it's and we all want, you know, I'm sure you and your cousins all wanted to be Destiny's Child when you were yes. little kids, especially when there was three of you. 
I think like I was never Beyonce. I, I think was I was always Michelle. Like, no, you my, don't. No, because my cousin <laughs> always bagged. She was the oldest. Yeah. And she was very um witty, so she always bagged Beyonce. I think I was like, Kelly. Okay, I'm Kelly. Yeah, I was Kelly. And they'd be like, Abigail, you're Michelle. And I'd be like, but you guys are always yeah. Beyonce. It was like, can Nobody, I be Beyonce once? No one no. ever wants to be Michelle. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, no, this is, these are important conversations that we're having. Yeah. And mm. I remember, um, obviously, I'm not even that old, but when we were growing up, when you would be on Rage or, you know, normal TV was just, like home and away, all Caucasian people. Yeah. When you would watch Rage, it was mm-hmm. all um, American music. And, yeah. you know, of course, you only got a few channels to flick through. So the early 2000s this is like was old my school. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's really, and especially now that we have uh, iPhones and we can literally pick and choose what we want to watch, mm. I think that it's opened up our eyes to the industry, even yeah. the modelling industry, not yes. just so much hair, but just like body shapes and mm. color and all of this stuff is changing so much from what we used yeah. to see because it was so um what would you say it was so selected because yeah very rigid in there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and totally. you'd see so many beautiful black women on tv but they were always the girls in the video clips because you didn't see enough yeah. of diversity that we're seeing now mm. Mm. totally but that's deadly. It's nice to know that you're going in, like I said before, into your modeling career. Like, is this most definitely something that you want to, like, pursue properly? Modeling? Um, I'm just riding the wave with modeling. Um, if I can inspire other young girls, that's yeah. all I could really ask for. Yeah. Um, dancing's more of a passion because yeah. it keeps me connected and it, it's more of a healing thing mm. as well um but modeling's just fun at the moment All we're right. just seeing where it's going yes girl um okay so i think we're ready now for what's the tea with tegan oh so what is the tea yes yeah, so you know like I said in previous episodes i'm encouraging all of my guests to bring along something that they think is useful or fun for our listeners it could be a funny story it could be some products like you've already mentioned your hair products that's like a little plus or it could be um you know stella recommended the retreat previously or like do you want to bust out your journal or oh, tell us like what about like your first kiss oh my god <laughs> my first, this isn't even much of a story i was blessed i was like 13 and in my um, I was at private school at this time, and mm. we were at a fourth. Uh, yeah, well, she was a bit older. She we were at a fourteenth birthday party, and we had to play spin the bottle. And I kissed this white boy um, <laughs> named Oscar, and um, he had the thinnest lips. <laughs> um, I hope he doesn't remember it because I don't yeah. remember. It. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, there wasn't much to. It's not very memorable that kiss. Mm. Um. And I got real shame after too. So was it just like a peck? It or? was the tiniest peck. Oh really? Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. So it was real. It was very lame, and it was like something like so out of a movie. Oh, that's um, <laughs> we love those though because it's such an awkward, in a weird way, it's such an awkward rite of passage for everybody with their first kiss. Like you got to start somewhere. I like. It's did you have an awkward first kiss or did you I like did. the boy? I did. Oh, well, it was interesting. It was with my first ever boyfriend. I was like 14. He was 16. 
And um, we were down, oh, I forget what it's called. You know when they used to have those race cars up in the Gold Coast? They used Bumper to have, cars? No, like an actual like big sporting car. Like the something five, Indy 500 or something up in the Gold Coast. Anyway, we went there with like our school. Our school set it up for us to go down there for the day. And like we, we were together for like two months and we hadn't done anything. I mean, I was 14 for crying out loud. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so we're at the beach, we're walking along, and then he's like, oh, let's just sit down here. And it was like a bench, you could see the ocean. It was actually really pretty. I was like, oh shit, oh my God. That my. sounds like a movie. I know, and I was started like anxiously sweating, and I was like, oh my God, he's gonna kiss me. And so anyways, he puts his arm around me, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, my heart's fluttering. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I like, it's like Abba. Like, you know, he's looking at me, I'm looking away, then I look and he looks away. And then he like leans in to kiss me. And as he's gotten like an inch from my face, I'm like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> oh, don't. I'm telling you. I like, I pulled out like last second and I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? And then I was just like, you just need to give me a second. I, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> that is so cute. And like, I've never, you know, and it was Anyway, we went in for a second time and it was full blown like pash. And I was like, what the hell? What do I know about this? I'm a woman now. No. I'm a, a yes. I had my first kiss and it was a pash. Yeah, my first yeah. kiss was just um, everyone saying it. It was just real shame job. Nah, <laughs> wouldn't re- nah, don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you've gotten better now. So. <laughs> I guess it only comes with time getting better. All right, so that's your tea. That's my tea. Well, damn. Hopefully, right. my mum doesn't listen to that one. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe mum will listen. Um, okay. Well, I think this concludes our episode. Thank you for having yes. me. I had so much fun. No, thank you for sharing your story and especially about your hair journey and, you know, of course, your journey as a young black woman in a white world you know yes. it's these stories are important and i'm so glad and i feel so honored that i get to share them thank you thank you for having me okay and um if you want to follow abby on instagram do you just want to drop your instagram handle yeah it is abby.dell that's a b b y dot d e l yes and make sure you're following the black girlish podcast both on instagram and twitter all right thanks guys stay tuned for the next one see ya